Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, welcome to the 390th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patron Noah Alexander. Thanks, Noah. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm going to thank Noah Alexander, too. He's been a patron since 2019, pre-pandemic. Well done, Noah. Anyhow, today on the podcast, we have Nikki Weiss. She is a career manager by her own description. Some people in the commercial industry would call her a sales rep. What she does is really interesting. She basically is a person that finds jobs that has relationships with agencies, with producers, with all sorts of people. Um, and, you know, anywhere from small, kind of interesting, fun, creative jobs to big Super Bowl campaigns. And I'm sure she's even reached out to for short films and branded content and other things. But really, she focuses on on big budget commercials. But she gets the jobs and she tells the people to look at the directors. So uh, when I tell you that this is someone that you should care about their opinion and listen to them, well, uh, I can't. Uh, you should you should trust me. She represents a lot of big directors a lot of little directors new directors up and coming directors mm-hmm. she has like a really fun diverse roster i'd highly recommend you check out her website nikki weiss and co um n-i-k-k-i-w-e-i-s-s and a-n-d-c-o.com and you can see the companies she represents and on each of those you click on each one of those companies and you see what directors um and filmmakers and artists and stuff she is one of the people who who gets them work. So yeah. whether you are just starting out in commercials, have some interest, or a filmmaker in not in commercials, but have an interest in knowing how it works, um, or even just want some tips on how to make yourself more sellable and more interesting to people as a director, I think this episode is really good for you. Yeah, it, it's great. I, I would also say, you know, I, I've been struck. We've been talking a lot about commercials over the last few episodes. I noticed that advertising is a competitive industry. And so that tends to weed out the least passionate people. And so what you're left with, especially, uh, you know, in a handful of realms, EPs, reps, that those types of people tend to be real firecrackers who are just hyper competent and uh and really really engaged in the work that they do and i i just i love talking to people like that that's why we have the podcast um and i find it really inspiring if you get excited by people who know what they're talking about 
and that motivates you, this episode is for you, whether you're interested in commercials or not. You know, like you ever listen to a podcast and you're you you finish and you're like, ah oh, man, I should be doing these things with my career and I'm fired up and excited. That's what I got out of this conversation a little bit. You know what I mean? Totally. It's why we do the show, or at least why I do the show. Yeah. The thing I, I have been thinking about for the past 15 years or so is that, you know, there is this question of like, how, how much of a voice do you need as a filmmaker and how important mm-hmm. is it to be your own thing? And a lot of us, when we start out, we're just trying to make something look like a Scorsese film or a Tarantino mm-hmm. shot or like a... Or even just something quote unquote real. Yeah. Or, you know? or just, or, or we're, we're trying to emulate like the stuff we've seen in, in our favorite movies and mm-hmm. Hollywood stuff, you know, but any um, old movie would do, you know, just like professional, I guess is what I mean to say, you know, yeah. whatever that means. shot on R you're shot on 35 million mm-hmm. or graded at company three, like all the mm-hmm. things that all the pros use, right. It's like get buying the air Jordans. Cause you want to play, be as good as Michael Jordan in basketball. Um, but, uh, it, it's just from talking to Nikki, just, and, it just reinforces this idea that the journey of becoming a filmmaker is like the journey of finding out what you like doing, what you're good at. And that that's the first part. And then being proud of, of that and owning, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and once you can get those things into place, people might actually get excited about you. And the more you kind of are like, yeah, I just do this thing. And it's kind of like this, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you're just kind of like, I want to make, I mean, for years, I've just said like, I want to make Geico commercials. So I love the Geico commercials. And, but the more I try to copy the Geico commercials that are out there, like, why would they go to me when they can go to the person that's doing the new type of Geico, you know, sure. like, yeah. And what Nikki really, you know, reminds us all is just like your voice is your calling card and it's hard to, it's hard to get a job without a calling card. Yeah. Yeah. So not to intimidate people, but, and, you know, I think Matt, you and I are always like working on it ourselves and we've made stuff where we're like, this is, this is good, but it just feels mm-hmm. similar to other things I've seen. Same, samey, or just not up to your expectations or whatever. Yeah. And I will say like, uh, this conversation, we do talk a lot about, um, or through the lens of people who are really established or really high up there. And Nikki makes the point about self-generating and all that. Um, but I, I do want to call out that like, you don't have to be and shouldn't hope to be signed to a roster straight out of film school necessarily. Like most times, unless you're a genius, it takes a little bit of time. And so as you're self-generating, you know, it is okay to dabble a little bit just to, or to explore and the through line will emerge. You don't have to fabricate that. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the same way that you wouldn't get signed by CAA right out of film school off your film, you're probably not going to get signed by Caviar, a commercial production company off of, you know, one great commercial. Right, right. Well, uh, but but what I'm saying is, is that like as you're building that body of work that will get you signed, you know, we made the point to like be direct, be explicit, like tell us what who you are and what you want to say. Um, and sometimes it takes a minute to find your voice, and so don't feel bad of like I don't know what I want to say. I'm 20. 
you know, or I don't know what I want to say. I'm 39. That's okay. Like continue to do that work and you'll figure it out. I guess. Yeah. I'm definitely still searching for that answer. And I am. Yeah. More than 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Barely. But yeah. Before we tell people about our Patreon, I just want to remind people that we are going to have a live event. October 18th. It's going to be in Studio City. Uh, We're going to host it at our friend's party house. Our friends are Sawhorse, the company we've had. We've worked with them. We've had the producers on uh, in the past, Nick, Blake, Eben, and everyone there is awesome. SawhorseLA.com. You can check out their website. They they produce a lot of cool things, but they're going to have this awesome house with a pool and a bar and a grill. And we're going to put together a panel of genre filmmakers um, trying to get some very cool ones. And we will talk for, you know, 45 minutes, take some questions from the audience and hang out and have some drinks. And it's going to be really cool. Uh, if you have been listening to this podcast and you hear various patrons names and you're like, I really wonder what Noah Alexander or Jack (laughs) Makers is doing tonight. Hey, maybe they'll be at this event and you can find out. How can people get more information about this, Matt? Well, the easiest way to stay in the loop is to go to patreon.com slash just shoot it pod and become a patron because patrons will get the first inside tips on how to learn more and um, to, to get on the list. Basically, there is a finite amount of space. And uh, so if you want to be the first to know how to sign up, you go to uh, patreon.com slash just shoot it pod and you can be a patron at any level that will get you access to the information. And otherwise, if you don't want to be in our part of our Patreon, no worries, but you can uh, follow us on Instagram and we'll post some stuff there. Just shoot it pod on Instagram. Just a little bit later, a little bit later. Yeah, a little bit like. It'll be like 15 minutes later and I'll be like, can I post it yet? And Matt will be like, just mm-hmm. just give it five more minutes. I'm just saying, give them priority, right? Um, anyway, it's, it's going to be really fun. They have been the highlight of the, of the podcasting experience in many ways. Like, it's really cool to just meet people, hang out. You see friendships and relationships kind of form. People partner up. They write things together. They shoot stuff together. Um, Did you know that there have been seven weddings of people that have met at Just Shoot It Pod? Just Live Shoot It Weddings? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been invited to any, though. And if you get, if you meet your future spouse at our event, we will pay for the videography. <laughs> That's right. Oren will do the VFX. <laughs> I will Hopefully. do, I have an you, awesome you transition just, package. <laughs> you, you'll erase the drunk uncle in the background from the most important shots. You'll just kind of... track him out it's gonna be great october 18th instagram if you want to keep track of things if you want the inside 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 scoop patreon.com slash just shoot pod um and without further delay let's talk to our pal nikki a lot can happen in three years like a chat bot may be your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, we are here with Nikki Weiss of Nikki Weiss and Co. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you? Great. Wonderful. Yeah, I've seen I've seen your name in the world like for many years, and then recently you became one of the the reps that I work with, and so it's super exciting to talk to you because when you had you know sent me a message about listening to Rebecca's episode, uh, I was thinking like, wow, you represent you work with so many amazing mm-hmm. directors, and we've never had anyone like you. I mean, obviously you've done many other things, you've produced and you've acted and you have been in the industry in many different capacities, but you're um, aging I, me. No, no, we're, <laughs> no, we're all, we're all multi-talented. Matt produced yeah. a feature last year. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Uh, we, yesterday we talked to um, a guest about being a film professor. I mean, you know, th- there's a lot of facets to this industry, but we, this is episode, met- episode 390. And this is the first time we've had a rep on. Wow. Boys. Yeah. So I know sleeping on it. You, yeah. you need me. You really need me. <laughs> so I think what what's interesting about even the name, the title, a, a rep, um, is that it's it's probably to nine out of ten new people in Hollywood, they would just assume that you're like an agent or a manager. Can you tell us what when we say that you're a rep? What does that mean? What does that mean to you? I'm curious. Yeah, I don't love the term rep um, because when you say that, it's a quote unquote sales rep, and I hope that I'm not that to the agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I want to be the liaison between brands, advertising agencies, um, and my partners on my roster. Um, and so my goal is to be a resource to the ad agency, not to quote unquote sell to them. My goal is to bring the best talent on my roster to them for their consideration of the project that they're working on. So I don't love the word rep. Um, I consider myself more of a career manager. Oh, interesting. I didn't even realize rep was a sale. I mean, maybe maybe I'd heard sales rep, but I guess I kind of thought you represent companies, right? I, um, I do. I do. I represent you know production companies, a music and sound design company, an effects house. Um, but I, what I, I just don't, I, I think that our role um, in our business has changed so much since the term sales rep was sort of coined, mm-hmm. I guess, in the mm-hmm. 80s. Um, that I, I think that we are a lot more than just that, you know, 
feel like sometimes I'm even a psychologist to my directors. Sure. Boy, yeah. yeah. Tell me about it. Unpack that a little bit, though. How has it changed since, you know, the halcyon days of of commercials in the 80s and 90s? Because I feel like people are always like talking about that era as like mm-hmm. the good old days where everyone was just making crazy money and shooting three projects a year and everything was great. But like, how has it evolved? What What is it like now versus then? Um, the pace is a lot faster. So when I first started out in this business as an assistant, I was lugging three quarter inch reels and putting mm-hmm. them into decks and visiting ad agencies and sitting in the lobby and see who, who was around to like talk to me or take a look at my director's work. Um, Wait, when you also, say a deck, do you mean like a tape deck? Like a three quarter inch machine. Okay, not <laughs> like into a, like a Google slide show. No, like a three quarter inch deck and mm-hmm. a three and and the director's reel was that reel for like a quarter, right? Mm-hmm, we couldn't mm-hmm. change it. You know, I would call LA when I was living in Chicago. I'm a Midwest rep, so I started in Chicago and I would call Los Angeles and say, listen, tomorrow can you FedEx me the new commercial that our director just did because I want to show it to somebody. Like the real was the real for the quarter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? right. So, I remember as a kid, I was a an intern at the Directors Bureau, which is mm, Roman Coppola's company, sure. and they had like uh, they were partnered with HKM at the time. I don't think they're around anymore. But anyway, there was the the guy in the basement who right. would he would in the he, vault in the vault, and we had the digi betas and then yeah. also i remember the day he got like the tower of D- the tower dvd DVDs. burner that where he could burn one. five at once and he uh, he was so stoked to show me and i was <laughs> well like, when we got those dvds that was a game changer because sure. then we could you know make those often and change them often and you know then we went digital and we have wire drive and so when i say that our medium has become faster i mean i am making reels and sending reels, mm-hmm. you know, within the same moment that someone's calling me. And before mm-hmm. I would have to custom either messenger, custom, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. for the project, before I'd have to messenger them or FedEx them. I mean, it was just a lot slower and we were getting boards that were faxed to us so we could hardly read it. Right. And then we have mm-hmm. to fax those to Los Angeles. And I yeah. mean, we didn't have, we were doing the treatment. Fax machine. I cut the fax <laughs> machine boards and then would glue them to the the poster board so that people could see them more clearly. You're, totally. it's, it's all coming back. To is me. it coming back? Yes, it's ancient yeah. times. Ancient What's funny <laughs> is I think you know, like from my my point of view as a director, like it seemed like the there really were these gatekeepers, which are people that had mm-hmm. access to three quarter inch tape decks, to DVD burners, to vaults, to people like you that can spend money to messenger tapes from one place to another and travel and do all this stuff. And so even though I think, you know, when you start out as a filmmaker, you think of the gatekeepers as like the bad guys, the ones that, mm-hmm. that aren't letting you in. Um, it kind of as a director now, kind of having walked a little bit, you know, right inside the gate, I'm like, oh, I wish the gatekeepers were still here because now you can literally represent 500 directors, you know, and, <laughs> and send their stuff off so fast. So, well, um, okay. The so competition yes. is just seems so much, so much harder, right? Well, hopefully you have a good rep that's not doing that. And, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing why I don't like the term rep. Again, I'm going to go back to the career manager. I am extremely procured about who mm-hmm. I send. I'm not sending your real Orin with 55 other reels on my roster. Um, and I'm also not being reactionary to just sending your reel out for a job. So I am trying to find and mine those opportunities for you before they happen. Because if I'm on the receiving end of a mass email, I've already lost that job for you. 
I better pick up that phone, make that connection with the creatives and producer and talk to them about why I'm sending you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I think that people will tell you, um, Nikki Weiss is a, a really good resource for me because X, Y, and Z. Like they know I'm not sending them an animation director for a comedy job mm -hmm. and hoping that that sticks. And sometimes right. I tell them I don't have the right person for them and that they should call so-and-so so that when they do come back to me and I do send your real Oren, then they know it's worthy of that job and they really should take a look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I have heard, you know, I've had, I've been with a few different companies and heard different reasons as to why I'm not getting shortlisted, you know, when things are uh, slow and stuff. And a lot of times there, you do hear that, like, you, you, co you go to your EP or whatever at your company and you're like, hey, I've seen my friend Matt's working and this person's working. And this person got this mm -hmm, job and this mm -hmm. person saw these boards and this company sent me this opportunity, but you didn't send it to me. Like, what's going on here? And then your producer is, is like, listen, Oren, you, you don't just send a million reels anytime you see boards. It, there's a business here. There's networking. There's like making sure that you're mm -hmm. thoughtful about how you do this. Um, right. Or those jobs might not be really good and we're trying to get you good jobs. You know, um, there's this whole thing. And I really want to di dig into this, but I, I do want to rewind real quick for our listeners that just like are, are totally lost right now. Can you just tell just in the we do talk about commercials a lot. Matt might might say too much, um, but I, I want you to 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 tell us where you fit in the machine between a director. Mm -hmm. Like, let's yeah. say there's a director listening that had their own production company in Nebraska and now moved to LA because they've gotten some pretty good spots on their reel, the from regional spots, and they're, they're trying to break into the commercial business. Where do you fit in between the director and the client? Like, what's your role? Client meaning ad agency or client meaning production company? Meaning Coca-Cola wants an, an, to do a new thing for, for Coke Zero. Okay. Like, where, where do you fit into that? Um, okay, I am the director the getting that job. I am the liaison between the advertising agency and their client, right? And my roster of talent. So an advertising agency producer will pick up the phone and call me and say, Nikki, we have a campaign for the Super Bowl. And mm -hmm. it is comedy dialogue. And it has a celebrity. And it has to shoot on this day. It has to shoot in Los Angeles. Or maybe we're shooting it abroad. I have this amount of money. Who do you have that's right? So now here comes my job where I want to make sure that what I'm sending them is appropriate for what they've said. Now they've asked me for comedy and dialogue. They've asked me for a celebrity. They told me to have X amount of money a day and it has to shoot in LA on these dates. I need to make sure my director's available. They have celebs on their reel. They're a comedic director and they can handle a big Super Bowl campaign. All <laughs> those things. Not everybody on my roster is right for that job. <laughs> I'd like to send them my top three to five. <laughs> And so right. and when you say that you're top three to five, you mean uh, of all the production companies that you uh, represent, Art Class, Florence, HB Films, Impossible Objects, Joinery, the list goes on and on. Not all of those companies have someone who's perfect that matches that job description exactly, right? Um, and so you're kind of narrowing down on a, on a production company basis and picking one director from each of those companies? I'm narrowing it down based on who shot the last campaign, mm -hmm. right? If it's Mark Malloy, mm -hmm. then I better be sending an upper echelon director that can mm -hmm. compete against Mark Malloy. You call Matt Enlow, uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they recently shot with a feature director, 
I'm mm-hmm. going to give them Rodrigo Prieto, Luca Guadagnino, you know, somebody on my roster that is of that caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I don't have anybody because it's underfunded, I'm going to tell them that too. Mm-hmm. Or if it's underfunded, I speak to some of the production companies on my roster and I say, I love this creative for one of our directors. Are you willing to invest in them? At which point they would say yes or no. I would go back to the agency and, and say, listen, you don't have enough money to do this job, but I have a client that would want to buy it from you. So if you cannot single source the job, which means direct award it to somebody, I suggest that you have three conversations like you normally would do and then decide who you want to be in bed with. And let's be partners and do it together because my company is going to invest in this for my client. It's extremely strategic. If you don't have somebody like me working for you, being strategic with how they're presenting you, being strategic with solves, um, you know, for the advertising agency, you know, you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially the good jobs, right? Which, right. And when I say good, either good budgets, right? Like over a few hundred thousand dollars or really good creative, right? With great, with really mm-hmm. kind of top tier agencies. Correct. We have an oversaturated market of directors. So how are you going to stand out? Well, you're first going to stand out by the company in which you're keeping, right? The production company, because Mm -hmm. that levels you up or down and the association of the roster that you're standing next to, your reps and their relationships with these advertising agencies. Um, And then your executive producer. Really important. Just to to push on one of those things you said. So there, you could be on a roster that you think will level you down, will make you seem like a less valuable director. I think that it is extremely important for directors to do their homework where they're going to sign. Mm -hmm. Because every production company has a brand of itself, right? And an ethos. So what is, besides your work being your visual business card, now you're associated with this company. Mm Mm-hmm. You need to do your homework. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really fascinating because I think over the years, you know, we've heard all sorts of different opinions about from a director's perspective of what sort of company you want to be associated with or who you want to be a part of. And as Oren and I, as comedy guys, you can look at certain places that specialize in comedy, let's say, and be there's an intimidation factor of like, well... I don't want to be the seventh person they call. Right. You don't want to be the worst director on Hungry yeah, Man's roster. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or not even the worst. Let's just say the least famous, right? The least prestigious. Like if you're, if it's between me and Adam McKay and Eric <laughs> Wareheim, you know what I mean? Like, sure. I don't blame anybody for picking, you know, geniuses, right? Um, but maybe Adam's not available and there's an sure. opportunity for you. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, Maybe yeah. you're a young director I mean, starting Eric's out. Eric's stuff and- is too weird. It's too weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So what about like being a freelance director? Do you think that that like, you know, I, I think and I do think there's kind of ebbs and flows. And it did seem like when I joined my first kind of roster that cared about its roster, you know, the, the my first company that was had a very curated roster and wasn't just like, a, oh, yeah, we'll put you on our website type of place. Yeah, they, the first time you really leveled up. Yeah. Yeah, they were really like, look, this is why you want to be on a roster. You know, we invest in the director and we're going to send you real. We're going to help you with the treatment. We're going to put our time and energy energy into you to make you a, a more sellable director. 
Um, and in return, we'll do these projects together and we'll make sure you get good DPs and good editors, good color grade, all that stuff. Um, yeah. And then, and I was with them for a while and I did feel like they weren't getting, they, you know, like a lot of times we got a lot of work up in the beginning and then it kind of like uh, nothing was happening for a year or so. And I had all these other companies that were like, hey, Orin, we got a job for you. We got a job for you. And mm -hmm. there was this time, you know, our friend Jordan Brainy, who has a, a podcast, Respect the Process, also. I felt like even he was starting to talk about like this freelance director, like, hey, maybe mm -hmm. there is this strategy of kind of working with whatever company can get you a job, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but then literally just over the past couple months, and I don't know if it's just because I'm starting to work with better companies and on, you know, on better projects. But I feel like there has been this attitude, especially talking to Rebecca, you know, last week, um, that the freelance director just is never going to get the same level jobs as mm -hmm. the roster director. The freelance director is an afterthought. The freelance director for reps and production companies is uh, throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping something sticks. Mm -hmm. It's not about you. It's about them. And what mm -hmm. happens with a freelance director is that reps don't play by the rules. And you suffer from that, meaning a rep should get the exclusive to send you for that job on a freelance basis. And your mm -hmm. reel should not be submitted by 55 other companies at the same time. Because what happens is the agency producer looks at your reel with a million production companies attached and goes, I'm not touching this. This is a mm -hmm. shit show. This is a shit show and I don't want to be involved with it. And then you're out. Mm -hmm. so and when, when you say it's a shit show you just mean like it's too complicated who reps this guy this is too complicated wanna, yeah, I, yeah. who which rep sent it in first you guys are going to fight over if i want to mm -hmm. bid them like i don't want to mm -hmm. do this at all yeah, um, yeah it's, a and it Never does, mind. it's yeah. yes and it doesn't serve you as a director and again you're an afterthought they don't really care they won't invest it you know in in you for the job if it's you know needing that um and you i don't know i i don't i don't love it yeah i don't love well, it at all let me ask a, a clarifying question, um, because I can imagine listeners at home who are maybe a little bit more junior, maybe are, are still on the other side of the gate that Oren was referencing before. Nikki, you live in a world of of really premium directors, right? Like like really incredible work, great relationships, high end agencies, right? Is there for developing directors? Is that the freelance thing still? something that you think is a bad idea? Like what, what does a young director who isn't signed to a new a company to do in that case, basically? I think for young directors, you know, I just need you to create something for me. I don't mm -hmm. care if it's an art film or a commercial or a music video, just create, grab your iPhone, just do something. I mean, I guess it's okay for them to freelance. At some point, they just want to be making things. Mm -hmm. Um, but there should be a production company that believes in what they're doing and they should be coming out of some place with a, a reel of some sort. Um, and then a production company would take them on and, and develop them. I mean, I am all about launching directors and young talent. And, um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm one of the founding members of free the work and I helped launch that initiative mm -hmm. with Alma Haral. And so I really am about, you know, the minority directors and, and women and, um, young talent having a seat at the table. And I don't mind getting my hands dirty to do that. Mm -hmm. So for the younger directors, you know, look for a production company that really will get behind you and be creative with how they're going to get you that work. Um, Can I ask a super basic question? Because sure. as long as I've been doing this in the commercial and, and Matt too, I think, 
I still get into this place where someone's like, hey, can you recommend some production companies for me to check out? And I'm like, uh, I, I, I like don't even know where to start telling people mm-hmm. to look for production mm-hmm. companies other than, well, if you're on Source Creative, like see what production company made a commercial you like and then look at them and make, sure. try to follow the director. And it's like, is there a place, a way, especially if you're a newer director, to find a list of production companies to look at and to even even if you're not far enough along in your career to get signed by them, but to just see the type of work that gets you signed. Interesting. I mean, obviously I would say the source, right? It's funny because if you look at, if you know who reps are, you can go to the reps webpage and then you can see a list of production companies, but that's a, you know, it's the same sure. situation. How do you know who the rep is? Yeah. You that's have to go really, to the right party in order to figure that out. I don't out, know right? if there is a database of directors, LA 411. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then you'll then you'll literally see thousands of production Everyone. companies that I know, make I like know. eBay. You know, I don't in, know that answer. You, you've stumped me, Oren. I don't know that answer. Well, let's start with going to NikkiWeissandCo.com if you are if uh, if you want to see some awesome production companies. Just and you know, if you want to walk down the the rabbit hole of production companies and see what's cool. Um, I mean, we mentioned a lot of them on the podcast, mm-hmm. but you know, it's. We mentioned like the smugglers and the tools and the hungry man and the ones that everyone has heard of. But, you know, there are the companies that are kind of one step below that and Mm -hmm. even two or three steps below that that are doing some cool things. Or or even just aren't, frankly, aren't as old. And so like because Oren and I have loved commercials for long enough that like Tool was like a company that we've (laughs) idolized for you know, 15 years or whatever, but there's plenty of great companies doing incredible work that just don't have that track record basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, well, there's new cool companies. Um, Every day. We talked about it. Florence and little minx has been around for a really long time. I don't know if you know who they are, but that's Raya Scott's company, certified woman owned, um, a complete diverse roster. Um, Amazing. Really great. And Rakish is Mark Forster's company. I represent Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. How do you get paid? Oh, how am I paid? Mm-hmm. I am yeah. who, complete. Who, who pays you and how does that I happen? Am, yeah. I am on a commission basis. So mm-hmm. I basically work for free until that job is booked. And who pays you? The production company pays The production me company. Gotcha. When they get their final payment from the advertising agency. So it's months. Gotcha. I don't get paid for months. Brutal. Brutal. Yeah, and is brutal. it um, a percentage of the job is it a flat rate how does that work that's it's very different for yeah. you know reps sure very it, the, every deal is different gotcha some gotcha. people get a percentage of the markup it, it, it depends um if it's an effects job it's a percentage of the bottom line if it's editorial mm-hmm. it's a percentage of the bottom line um yeah interesting yeah percentage of a to k i mean it's it's all different kinds of deals it's funny i but reps don't usually talk about what their deals are with each other sure. at least but, you know, some uh, reps get paid completely differently. Some, some reps are probably on a salary or a draw against commission. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I don't, I don't like that because my incentive is to work really hard and get paid for that. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's my incentive. So if you're booking work and you're working and I'm getting paid, everybody's happy because, yeah. you know, I want to find that work for you. We've been talking about the relationships that you have with different agencies and all of that. In a general ballpark, how many agencies do you feel like a typical rep has a working relationship with? Are we talking, you know, is it like, hey, you know, I've got 10 different 
A-list agencies and, and I, that's who I'm fielding? Or is it like, oh, no, I, it's, it's hundreds or, you know, like what, what's the range? How, what does it look like typically in terms of the intimate relationships between a rep and an agency? Well, you know, it's funny. It's not just the agency because it's the people that are going from the different agencies that I sure, have these relationships sure. with for a million years. And that's what ends up happening. People move mm -hmm. around a lot. But yeah, I, I've been in this business for 30 years, guys. And so I know everybody. Mm -hmm. I really do. And some of those Midwest people are now in New York or they're in LA or they're in San Francisco. Or it's my job to, um, to have these relationships. This is why I'm an asset to a production company. This is mm -hmm. why production companies call me to represent their directors. Is because mm -hmm. I have been in this business a long time and I have a relationship with everybody. That's but that doesn't different. always that doesn't always mean I know everything that's going on at all times. That that's not possible. You know, some sure. jobs fly under the radar, but I do know everybody. Right. And so do people just you just wake up, you open up your email and you have like twenty emails every day of like yeah. potential jobs that are yes. happening? Yes. Who do you have for, for sure. this? Who do you have for that? Yeah. Or they'll say, this is coming up or this is in test or I want to just put your eyes on this for a second. Or do you think that you can help us ballpark this before we bring it to the client? Or do you think we could attach a director or these are the Super Bowl spots that are in contention? Like those are the kind of calls that are really um, valuable to me or to any rep. And do if they not, ever... not that mass email? That's for sure. How often does a company say, hey, we want a, a director for this project? And you say, oh, you know who should do it? Matt and Lo should do it. And they're <laughs> like, okay, he's got the job. <laughs> like, is there, is that, does that ever happen? Or is it always triple bid? Let's see a treatment. Let's do a call. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's make the director kill a week of their life and cancel their vacation to potentially get this job that they probably don't have a great chance of getting to begin with. Um, it depends on who the director is. Um, and it depends on if the client can direct award that job. Um, and you know, mostly we are triple bidding sometimes mm -hmm. even, you know, they're trying to bring in a fourth now because we desperately need to have some sort of bid reform with these advertising agencies. Mm -hmm. It's really getting out of hand. Production companies are spending thousands of dollars to put treatments together. Um, and advertising agencies are not um, participating in that cost and they and their clients should be. Um, I think if they had to give us a stipend, they wouldn't be bidding three to four directors. I think they would mm -hmm. probably bid two or maybe have two conversations and just direct award to one. So is there am, any way that that can happen? Could that be like a DGA thing or? Well, they're doing it in Europe now. Um, I know that in Germany, the German directors were banning together and uh, trying to create some sort of movement. Um, you know, for us to do that here, I think it would have to be with the AICP. And I think every production company would have to, I mean, every mm -hmm. single production company would have to say enough is enough. And I don't think that people are in the, those positions to do that yet. So. I mean, it's a real problem. Like I, I'm bidding, pitch, pitching on something right now and uh, it's kind of like a direct to client thing. Someone I've worked with before and they're like, Hey, we're, you know, bidding, we're, we're talking to three directors. So we're doing a creative call. And then just can you, if you can just make like a mini treatment and give it to us on Friday and I'm mini making treatment. like a mini treatment is even worse than someone saying. Treatment. Yeah. 
I'm yeah. making like yeah. a 15 minute fully edited video about my approach with like, I pulled like 50 clips. I have my own, oh, my kids are in it. Like the whole thing, I'm shooting part of it, you know, doing, showing how the transitions are all, all the stuff, right. You know, and yeah. because I want to, um, because like it's an arms I'm, race, right? It's an yeah, arms race. Exactly. So, so of course you're going to pull out every stop that you can think of. And I think this is Nikki's point, right? It's like, that's why we have to curtail it in some way or, or create or a they need to, They need to participate yeah. in the cost to do yeah. that. Yeah, for you sure. Know? Yeah. I think or, that there should be a stipend given $2,500 that you know, and sure. I know that these treatments cost way more than that. But if that was, you know, if they had to do that per treatment, they would not be bidding for people. Well, the crazy thing, so Matt sent me this TikTok video, I don't know, maybe three months ago of this creative mm-hmm. director, Jason something. He's, he did like all so these old, old Spice spots, the yeah, yeah, Isaiah Mustafa them. ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, he and in, in the TikTok video, he's like, he's a creative director and he's talking to other creatives and he's like, listen, mm-hmm. the, my rule is 90-10, 90% the real, 10% the treatment. He's like, the director can tell you anything they want and show you the mm-hmm. coolest references in the world. But at the end of the day, what they make for you is probably going to look pretty right. similar to what's on their reel. I think he said like, oh, if you need it to look like a James Bond film and James Bond movies aren't on the reel or nothing looks like one, no matter how hard they try, they're probably not going to nail it. Which, yeah. look, I get a little bit, right? right. Um, I mean, so that's unless, why... you're, unless you're bringing in the DP from the last James sure. Bond movie. sure. I mean, yeah. there are ways for me to make it sellable, yeah. right? I'm going to yeah. pair Oren with this DP and mm-hmm. we're going to get, you know, this art director and we're going to, you know, and these are all the spots that our class did that feel and look like that, that they've produced. And there are ways to, mm-hmm. to yeah. make you and interesting to them. That is, I mean, this is like a hot tip that probably half our listeners already know, but um, I'm saying anyway, because I didn't really realize it till about a year ago, but I used to never pitch crew when I'm when in a mm-hmm. treatment. Yeah. I never said like, oh, I'm going to use this DP. I, I'd say a DP is really important. And I talk about cinematography and lighting and camera mm-hmm, movement. Mm-hmm. But I didn't the say camera's like, going to do this, but not the person who's going to make the camera do what we want it to do is this person. And here's how many times they've done it before. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say like, we're going to get the DP from this Marvel show or this mm-hmm. Marvel movie or the production designer from this amazing comedy thing or from broad, the actor from Broad City. Like I never. And now it's like I'm trying to drop those things like all you over the place. You should drop it. Know? You should. You have those relationships. You should use them. I mean, that's what gives you your secret sauce. Yeah. I literally, I, I did this Pinterest um, like keynote speech thing, and, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be a mockumentary. It ended up not really being a mockumentary, but I literally like had you know the editor of Veep in my treatment video talking about how to edit mockumentaries, and I didn't... Right. I, you know, I was trying to like subtly say, like, hey, I surround myself with people that are experts mm-hmm. at this field, mm-hmm. even though I don't have like... The perfect mockumentary piece on my reel. It's just called a name drop, Oren. Yeah, but it, but it's like <laughs> no, but it is you, finding if that is name the, drop, but it's the yeah, puzzle without, pieces. No, but it's the puzzle pieces. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sorry. Back to this ninety ten rule of this creative director: ninety percent real, ten percent treatment. Which you know, I, I, it's one person that said that, but um, it does make me think. Like maybe all we really need is to do the call, right? Like, let's do a creative Mm -hmm. briefing call. Let's go back and then let's have a second call. Um, But once you're making material, once 
I, I mean, I know so many directors and so many production companies that the directors don't even write their own treatments. You yeah, know? Like, that's when it's crazy making for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm married to uh, my wife has a treatment company called We Are Pitch. Um, oh, and cool. she's she's the writer and um, her partner is the visual puller uh, and, and layout. Art, we are pitch TV. Yes, that website is undergoing a big revamp. So don't look at it. OK, even say that out loud. <laughs> but, but, you know, my wife comes from the agency side. And so she understands what the client needs to hear and what the agency needs to hear. But she also knows how to write in the director's voice. And it's very important mm. for her to um, understand, you know, what that director's vision is. And so a lot of times directors don't know how to write because they speak in pictures. And sure. so, sure. you know, she'll have those lengthy conversations with the director. The director will write, you know, blurbs or whatever it is that they're trying to um, get across because certainly she's not a director. And then she'll write in his voice and try to convey what he wants to say in those pictures. Right. Right. So but, I don't think it's a cheat. Sure. I, well, I, there's I, a big I, difference between collaborating and like, you know, it sounds like what you're doing phoning is the right way of doing it. You're phoning, phoning it in. Yeah, it exactly. In. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. But uh, what I'm saying is, it like I think what Matt called it an arms race is like totally right. Because, you know, net, did, like disconnecting from the fact that your wife has a company that specializes in this whole thing. But <laughs> knowing that you have a call, right? It's you and the director and you get to know their personality. You get to see how they're reacting to, to the concepts and ideas and what they're kind of how their brain works. Right. And then they go off and somebody else writes the treatment. They have a conversation with someone and they write the treatment. Somebody else pulls the images. Someone else does the layout. Someone else puts this whole thing together while they're on set or on vacation or doing something else. Then they come, they give a couple notes and then they get back on a call and then they present that treatment. Like really the only thing they've contributed is these conversations. Like why, why True. even do the three, four, $5,000 worth of material generation because um, the what, client needs to see that in the end. Mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm. end, the agency needs to bring that to their client meeting to say, this is the director that we want to work with. You, they clearly were not privy to those Zoom calls. Um, and this is his real, and this is how he's going to shoot our campaign. It's yeah. really for the client. But you're right. Look, now that we're doing Zoom calls, which we weren't doing before the pandemic, we were just doing conference calls. Now that we're doing the Zooms, they're really, the agency is making a connection with you. They know yeah. after three calls who they've, you know, hit it off with, right? So Yeah. I mean, to, to me, I think, look, the call is, is partially vibe check as much as it is, you know, the, cr the creative conversations. And then the, the deck is there, the treatment is there to reinforce that everyone's on the same page. Like, Oren, you would go crazy if you, if the decisions were made exclusively on the call and you didn't have the chance to put together a treatment, right? Because it's the beginning of our creative process, right? And like, look, you're frustrated because you spend a lot of time doing those treatments and, you know, sometimes you don't book the job. And that is that is really frustrating. But like, you know, there is a positive side to it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like when, when you've been awarded, you complain when you get awarded a job without a treatment, you're like, I don't know that they know what I want to do. You know, like it's it's the first. Yeah, step. that's like uptown <laughs> uptown problems. Sure, we call sure, sure, sure. <laughs> No, my, yeah. my issue is, and I had this happen recently where mm -hmm. I kind of knew the copywriter. Um, we had a good relationship. We, you know, I we had an amazing first call. Treatment was great. He was like, "We love your spot that you did before. This is just like it." Um, and 
like, and then we did the treatments and he was like, dude, your treatment was the best, blew everyone else out of the water. And then at the end, it was like the client, one of the other directors had like a Super Bowl spot on his reel and yeah. the direct, the client was just so excited about that. I'm like, oh, so he won it off the reel. And like there, there was, I, I said to him, I was like, be super honest. Like, cause I, I was really excited about the opportunity to get this job. Like what could I have done better? And he wrote like literally nothing direct nothing. <laughs> super literally <laughs> nothing yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean it doesn't matter anymore if you're the creative recommend you know this right it doesn't mm, even matter it's brutal. brutal it's brutal yeah yeah so that's where i'm like if we just had the call and i was on vacation while i made that whole freaking treatment you know and my wife was like mad at me and the kids yeah. were swimming, you know, drowning in the pool. Yeah, yeah. Saved them. Luckily, yeah. some random. You're like, hold on, let me finish this thought. Random okay, German director yeah. who didn't have to write treatments for free saved my kids. <laughs> um, just kidding. Uh, but uh, okay, cool. So yeah. let's get back on track, Nikki. I feel like we're we're getting. Let's turn it positive. Yeah, or, uh, or more just uh, you know, uh, there's so much more insight. I think we can um glean from Nikki that's not us complaining about the process. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing you said, Nikki, that I thought was interesting, and I didn't know exactly. I, I have so I was um repped at this company, Great Guns, before art class. And on one of my very first jobs I've been with them, it was kind of this this fun experience where the EP there called me up and said, Hey, can you get on this Zoom? We got this these boards in for you. We want to submit you. And it was me and the rep and uh a couple of people at the company and we all went through my work and built the reel together, you know? And I was like, Oh, I have this one thing. And I, and that was the only time I had any mm -hmm. idea that a rep is even involved in the reel building. And then now wow. you just said that you are building reels every day. So how much are you building reels versus the production companies? Oh, production it, companies it, not building the reel. At all. Oh, no, and no. so, and, and for our listeners, in case you, you're not a hundred percent sure what we mean by that is it, it, it's, it might be confusing. Cause I had, okay, I used I'll, to have a let lot me of break it down. Let me break it down. I, I'll just tell you why. Cause I used to have a lot of opinions on director's reels and how they should be cut and what they are. And if they're even mm -hmm. worth anything. And that was talking about a sizzle reel like five years ago where yeah. I was like, Hey, yeah. here's, I'm a director. But in the commercial world, the reel is just totally different. It is like three to 10 of your spots, playlist of your commercials. Yeah, yeah that makes but sense the, for this. But that price. makes sense for that for that campaign. Yeah. So, when I sign a production company, the first thing I do is go through the database of everybody's work, and that's mm -hmm. usually held in a wire drive or a Simeon account, right? Which is an online database that the production company uploads all of their directors and categorizes that it's their work. And so, I try to get familiar with all of your spots that you've ever done with your music videos, with your short films. Like if I don't have that information, then I can't be uh, the best rep possible if I don't know your work. So, so let me I, ask you one of those brutally honest questions. Like I've directed two features, like you don't look at my features or even the trailers or anything, right? Like you don't look at the short films that I made 10 years ago or anything, right? Like you're- Well, no, you, it's, if it's 10 years ago, probably not. But if it's something that is, you know, relevant to this campaign if they're wanting to do something that's longer format then yes for sure or if it's a tv project absolutely but um, when you sign a new company you're kind of trying to find like everyone's best stuff up front correct right? i want to know what your voice is right i want to know what you do well like okay. i think for, for you 
<laughs> I think that your strength is, you know, comedy spokesperson and celebrity. Like that's what you do well, Oren. If I see a board like that, it's like it's you're the guy. I'm not mm -hmm. putting you up against anybody else. Rebel Wilson's starting your spot. Then we're going to that hotel guy. It's like I already know what the real it is that I'm putting together for you. So this is really fascinating to me because Oren and I have been doing this show for eight years now. And I can say with absolute certainty that like that wouldn't be the first way that you describe your work, Oren. You would celebrity say spokesperson, sp comedy. celebrity spokesperson, comedy, 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 comedy for comedy. sure. Yeah. And, and Nikki, I'm not saying that you're not correct. I think that's exactly right. But it's what, what's fascinating to me is like the difference between the way a filmmaker seems sees themselves versus the way they appear in the marketplace. Well, right? I'm okay. Listen, there's a balance of art and commerce and I'm mm -hmm. talking about the commerce of our business right now. Yeah. yeah. You know, your, your strength, Oren. And where you can't be beat, truly, is having this comedic celebrity spokesperson. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you really do it really well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Oren, how would you have described yourself before Nikki said well, that? Well, it's funny because, I mean, I obviously... I love comedy and I love you mm -hmm. as a director. And you love celebrities like, and you love spoke people. Yes, so it's I've, like, of course, of course, no, that's what, how to describe I, it. I've right? always <laughs> loved like people talking to the camera and yeah. celebrities, but and as fun a transitions, you know? as a and, filmmaker, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't want to be like, yeah, I'm really good with celebrities. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just seems like a mm -hmm. weird thing to say. It's like, it's like name dropping, right? Like you can see it on the reel, but like, I don't want to say, I'm really good mm -hmm. with celebrities. I mean, to be honest, I'm like rather nervous in front of most mm -hmm. of them. Um, but I've just. Like, you know, it's like, I, I don't know who you are. So. Just read so I, much I, I, negative I, stuff about them by the time I get to set that I, I just don't say anything and they love me for that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but, but uh, Rebecca, uh, the, you know, the EP managing director at art class, she kind of described my work which i would never describe it as this either as like chaotic like chaos like mm -hmm. the rebel wilson spot there's like a lot of things going on in the background surf pro okay. there's a lot of things going on in the background and i love to me that's the dream like i watch like a fellini film or i watch you know like roma or something and there's you know 800 extras Scale. doing something yeah scope yes yeah. scope i've never really gotten an opportunity to have 800 extras but you know i did a sports movie and we had like 200 extras and that's like to me like if you can build a town and choreograph everything that's like that's like a dream you know that's from a filmmaking side is the dream and then from just a you know TikTok, like one i'm wanting to like youtube addict like just wanting to get information fast and 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 in a unique way like i think i love comedy and i love just kind of in your face mm -hmm, stuff mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. i'm i have a bad tendency of falling asleep um if something is not super interesting in the first five yeah. seconds yeah. You know, I hated Oppenheimer. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so this brings up an interesting question, actually, to talk about myself for a second, Nikki. Um, uh, I was thinking about what Oren was saying. I was thinking about the, the work that I want to do, which is a little different. I love dialogue-driven, character-based comedy, right? Like, if it was just two people in a great location with, like, a perfect joke, that 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 gets me super excited. Not that I wouldn't want to do all of the things that Oren does as well, but like, you know, in my heart of hearts, just a, like a, a character paced like visual zinger sounds awesome. Right. But thinking about my reel, 
you know, like I get pitched for a lot of sports stuff, for instance, and don't know a thing about sports. <laughs> Does that matter? Like, like the, there's a little bit, a little bit more like guys, guy stuff. So, so what, what I'm really getting at is like, there's, there's the perception of what you are in the marketplace versus what you're, you know, what maybe you set out to are. do your aspirations are exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What, what would you say to a, a director like that and under those circumstances or, or, or as they're developing? Well, your reel is only reflective of your opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. It's only, it's not of your talent. It's only the opportunities that you've been given in our business. So if you feel like you're starting to get pigeonholed, then you, you got to go create something on spec somehow, mm-hmm. some way, because that is the only way I'm going to be able to sell you. The agencies are so literal. If they don't see it on your reel, then you can't do it. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many conversations I have on the daily about you haven't, why can't he do it? Because you haven't seen your exact spot on his reel. You're not going to see his exact spot on the reel. What you are going to see is the following. Our class has produced those spots a million times over. Mm-hmm. Here they are. Here mm-hmm. they are. They're right there. But Oren is great for this because he's got the comedic timing that you're looking for. He's got blah, 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 whatever it is. He's got the cars that you want. He did the Jeep spot. Like whatever it is, mm-hmm. I need to make sure that they're comfortable with why I'm putting you in front of them. And this goes back to the very beginning of our conversation about the term rep and why I don't like it. I'm a career manager. The agency trusts me. I told them last time I didn't have the right person for them. I'm telling them this time, and you know I never sell to you. Oren's mm-hmm. right, and this is why. Matt doesn't know anything about sports, but the man knows how to use a lazy boy. Yeah, sure. I, that, that is the truth. That's what it boils down to. It's like sports, but it's like, like always. Dude humor. Dude humor. Dudes. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. Nikki, you don't know me, but I don't know. Matt how is that the happens. opposite of dude humor. <laughs> yeah. Despite his, uh, his beard and baseball, baseball cap. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. He's much you're, more you're like really the, the improv sensitive. guy. Yeah. He yeah. pitches himself as the, the guy in line at UCB. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask two, I know we're, we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask two last questions that yeah. might seem similar, but I think they're very different. Um, okay. That both, I think Matt and I want to know the answers to, but also our listeners are probably really curious about. Number one is like, what gets you excited about a, a filmmaker? It's, like, especially today, you know, I know there's trends and there's people Mm-hmm. that did some amazing transitions. And now like everyone does amazing transitions. What, when you see a reel or, you know, you told us about Florence and when you saw the reel of, of all the directors they work with, you sign them in, in 24 hours. Like, what is it that one of our young up and coming filmmakers uh, can do that gets Nikki Weiss excited? Um, that's a really good question. I like when a filmmaker has a point of view to their work. That there's that that I know who they are by watching those you know five things that they've done, whether it's a music video or a short film or a commercial or a branded piece of content. That those spots or those pieces of film are telling me who that filmmaker is. That gets me really excited. Let me just to just to dig a tiny bit in on that. Like, let's say you want to get into commercials, you're going to shoot three spec spots. I think. When we start out, we kind of get this feeling that we need to make them very different from each other, you know, Mm -hmm. because we want people to know that we can do anything. Um, Do you think that if someone is shooting, building like a body of work and some of it is self-finance and some of it is for their friend's company, that they should try to find like some through line in their work? Yes. 
I think that they that these three or four pieces need to relate to each other in some way so that there is a flow to your work. So it doesn't look like, oh, there's a stop motion piece and oh, there's a comedy mm-hmm. piece. I don't know who you are. Who are you? Mm-hmm. This is your visual business card. Who are you? Tell me yeah. who you are in, in this work and tell me who you want to be and where you want to go. And is yeah. the best through line tone, like a sense of humor or a sense of cinematic visualization or a sense of like working with children well, it depends on, real people? It depends on who that person is. If it's a female director and they're all about, I don't know, empowerment or a woman's voice or... Maybe they are about sports. Maybe they um, are comedic. Like, just what is it that 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 drives you as a director? What stories do you want to tell? How can I help you find those stories to tell? That's what excites me. Is that when I see that spot, I'm going to know it's that director. Like, I I know that that you know when you see a Mark Malloy spot, you know it's a Mark Malloy. I keep that's the second time I've mentioned him tonight, but you know when he did you see, all the amazing Apple spots, right? The yeah. Um, the, yeah, that Correct. group that designs the pizza box and packaging. Yes. Yeah. And then he recently did a Huggies campaign, which was felt very much like him. And, or an Ian Pond's Jewel campaign. You know who that is right away. There's oh, always something. Or like, Megaforce. Megaforce is brilliant. You always know it's a Megaforce. Megaforce spot. is two French directors, right? Correct. So I, I understand that. I don't understand how Ian Pond's Jewel, who, by the way, was supposed to come on this podcast and then said he was going to come on and then just ghosted us. So Ian, challenge us out to unghost us. How does that guy make so so many (laughs) incredible (laughs) commercials every year? Like he's like a Shakespeare. It's like every one of his commercials, I feel like would take me a year to make. And he makes like eight of them. So prolific. I I don't know how he does it. Incredible. You must have a good support team. So my second question was... Also a, kind of an open-ended one, but what are some things that you see directors do to win jobs? Like what, mm-hmm. like, can you give us any tips? And I would even be okay with tricks <laughs> um, <laughs> to win a job, whether it's in a treatment, in a phone call, like what, what do you see over the 30 years you've been in this business? And I don't know how many years you've been in this specific uh, position. Um, 30. <laughs> So working with filmmakers and connecting them with work, um, what do the winning filmmakers consistently do? And aside from being famous. (laughs) Uh, No, they genuinely have a connection with the creatives on that call. Mm. The creative people, not the creative material. No, correct. The creatives. Well, also the campaign, right? That they really want it. They believe in it. They really Mm -hmm. want to tell that story. But they have a genuine connection to the creative team on the call. Um, they are really listening to them and they are understanding that maybe this is a campaign that's been in test for a million years and the mm-hmm. creators finally sold it and there's, you know, they want to make it better or they're really looking at the director to come to the table with different ideas. Um, and always I say, treat that first call like it's your last call. Because especially since we're now on these Zooms, which I said earlier, the creative team is really responding right away to who they mm-hmm. like. And so mm-hmm. if you come to the table with just a little, little nugget, just a little extra idea, the creatives are realizing that you're really thinking about their campaign and that you actually care and you're not just phoning it in. Mm-hmm. You're not just taking a call because you have to, or you're just doing it for the money. What if you come to that first call where they are talking to you about their idea and you say, 
I love that. But what if we change this big thing? <laughs> Do you mm-hmm. think that is that 100% of the time a losing strategy? Or does it just really depend on what your idea is and who the creative team is? Um, first of all, you yeah, that's a really fine line to walk. Because like I said, you don't know how long it's taken them to get this approved. You don't know if it was in a testing situation. Um, and so yeah. you just have to actually ask them, say, I was thinking about what if we did this at the ending and here's why I think it would, you know, work better or be a better brand message or work in the story better. Or how do you feel if I treat the job and then I make an addendum, you know, with this other thought that you can decide Mm -hmm. whether you'd like to present it to your client or not. Yeah. Right. I I like the way you phrase that because I've certainly you know, I always pitch alts or whatever. Um, but if I had like a big pivot pitch like that, I would underplay it. I would be like, yeah, take it or leave it. You know, like uh, just I'm spitballing here. I just want to show you I'm engaged and we're into it in it together. But like an addendum that you can decide whether you want to submit to the client has so much more confidence behind it. You yeah. know? Yeah, that's great. Because that's then great. you're not dying by your sword. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're giving them that option. And you're also saying to them, I understand the predicament that you're in with this client as well. Right. Right. Kind of very small final question for me is, do you think, but I think this could be helpful for people that are even doing spec work. How important do you think it is to study the brand and their past marketing and advertising when you are pitching your, your take on the work? Uh, you mean when you're actually not spec work, but you're just saying to the agency? Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I brought in spec work, too, because sometimes. Well, that's two different answers that I have for you. So let's start with the non the non spec work. Um, A good production company and a good rep is going to furnish you with everything you need to know about that brand before you go in. So who did the last campaign? Here is the last campaign. Is this the agency's first campaign for this client? Um, Mm -hmm. What are the watchouts? Who are we bidding against? I'm going to give you all of that information up front. So we're going to have a pre-call, um, your agency producer is going to have a pre-call with your executive producer. Um, hopefully you and I are going to have a pre-call. Um, so we're going to set you up for success. Now, when it comes to spec work, I really like if you have a relationship with, if you're signed to a production company, have relationships with your reps, which you should ask your reps to go out in each territory and speak to some of the creatives at ad agencies. Do they have anything there that hasn't sold? right? Or that's on brand um, or that they haven't presented yet. Can we look at it? If it's not too ambitious, we'd like to do it on spec. We would like to shoot this for you and then you can show it to your client. Sometimes the client will buy it back. Sometimes the client will say, hey, let's stick our name on it and let's like put it into the universe. Um, And then it's not spec anymore. And also now you've made a relationship with the agency creatives, which behooves you as well. It's tough business. It's like you yeah. want to you want to have a point of view. You want to have a strong voice, but you also want the job sometimes. And you're kind of guessing what they mm-hmm. will like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, look between uh, our conversation with Nikki and then with Rebecca um, just recently, I think you know you're just reinforcing that it's a it, it's its own world. Advertising is its own world, and it's also it's its own. Uh, each company is its own ecosystem. And I think when you're young, you think that a director is kind of like 
out on their own as a bit of a lone wolf kind of doing it themselves quote as an auteur right but clearly it takes a it takes a village to build a career right so it does it absolutely does and i love rebecca niles i cannot say enough about her she is so bright and fierce and driven and she's like my partner in crime like nothing slips through the cracks with her i adore her and i love being on her team awesome we will let her know. But I mean, <laughs> Rebecca, I'm assuming you're listening to this episode. <laughs> Since Nikki listened to yours, come on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's only Love fair. <laughs> uh, um, well, Nikki, we could talk for another two hours easy. Do you have a few more minutes to hang out and endorse with us? Sure. Unpaid endorsements. So my unpaid endorsement, it's pretty on brand for me. I've talked a lot about Letterboxd, my favorite social media app on the show for many years at this point. Nikki, are you familiar with Letterboxd? I'm not, but should I be? I'm, I should go Google right now. It's, it's okay. It's so, Letterboxd is an app where you track and rate the movies that you're watching at any given time. So like, oh, I just saw Barbie. You know, I would log that and then I have a little diary and, you know, you can make little playlists and, uh, and everyone gets to see each other's reviews and stuff. It's truly... Like the Venmo of... Yeah, yeah. It's really fun, very nerdy, very niche. Um, But to one up the nicheness of it, I'm endorsing following Letterboxd on Instagram because their social media presence is great. They send people to film festivals and red carpets and ask people what their top four Letterboxd films are uh, on the red carpet. So you'll just be on Instagram and then you'll be like, oh, uh, you know, Ethan Hawke loves these four movies. What? How fun is that? Or Nicolas Cage loves Fellini or whatever. And it's just like a little, you know, cinematic burst of joy in your feed on a daily basis. Um, and they also do unfamous people as well. It'll just be like someone who's at the Venice Film Festival and like, what are the four films they saw that they liked that year? Um, but in a very quick, casual, fun way. So follow Letterboxd on Instagram. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, Awesome. Nikki, what you got? Well, funny you should say Instagram because I too am following Effective Spaces. Mm. I urge you. Okay, ready for this? Effective Spaces. So here's the thing. I'm a little bit OCD when it comes to being organized and like neat and everything in its place. And this Mm -hmm. woman... This woman, I am telling you, organizes your life for days, whether it is folding a shirt, whether it is your computer plugs, she always has the most amazing gadgets and things to organize your shit. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I don't even care if it's the way that you fold your pants or the way that you wrap a present. I am obsessed with her. I could watch it over and over and over and she's constantly posting new things and now she's adding Amazon links so you could buy the stuff. It's like, I'm obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. Effective spaces. Natasha and you know Swingler. what? And 4.9 million people are obsessed with her too. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Kaplan, what you got? Okay. I got uh, a few things. Number one, just because Nikki's on here, I thought I'd do one about pitching and uh, super obvious trick, not trick, but thing that I do, I try to do on most things I pitch is I just like look through my phone <laughs> and try to find any photos or videos of me or my family or my kids or anything doing anything that I could remotely connect to Mm -hmm. what I'm pitching on something personal. 
Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm pitching on this um, hotel thing and I have all this footage. We, just, we went to Puerto Vallarta over spring break, you know, and me and my kids like doing crazy things in the pool and just kind of like trying to just make yourself you know, human. Yeah. Just like what Nikki said, like have be a person that enjoys that like if you have this proof you have all this proof in your pocket that you're passionate about something you know it might be coffee shops it might be food it might be driving it might be sports whatever it is like find it um you know i went like a there's this like college element to this hotel thing so i like when i made this video i put my ucla hat on you know that i had to like (laughs) dig through my closet to find um (laughs) But just kind of, you know, find the things in your life that connect it um, to whatever, you know, whether you're pitching a feature or a TV show or whatever. And um, I even like when I pitched on, you know, a BarkBox, this dog thing, like I just pulled a bunch of Instagram photos I'd posted of my dogs and put them in the treatment. But I think it would just apply to anything if you're pitching to be an intern or like or to shadow a director on a TV show with vampires and you used to dress up as a vampire as a kid, like see if you can. Get that in there because I think um, you, you're carrying around this library of things you're passionate about and just don't forget to use it when you're pitching. The other thing, this was recommended by Film Riot, actually. It's this application called Handbrake, which I guess I, I downloaded it today and used it, but I guess I'd already had it on my computer. You, you so. had Handbrake in like 2005 when you were... Yeah, I was going to say. You yeah, so editing, um, uh movies from um, LimeWire. Yeah. So, you know, I rip a lot of videos off YouTube. I use 4K video downloader, which I've endorsed multiple mm-hmm. times in the past. But recently I've been downloading these videos from YouTube that I can't edit in Premiere because there's some new compression or something. I don't know. And they won't even play in QuickTime. They won't play on my computer. And it happens to me a lot where I'm trying to edit things together and I get videos that just don't work. And this app, Handbrake, you just drag anything into it, hit convert, and it makes it into like a H.264 MP4 or a QuickTime, whatever your default setting is. But it's so, it's not like FF, MPEG, encode, like all those like complicated things where you have to set like 100 things. You literally drag a file into it and when it spits out, you can edit. So handbrake. If you're in, in, if you have documentary footage, anything that you're trying to make work, check it out, handbrake, and it's free. Um, So I rediscovered it today. And I really appreciated it. That's it. Awesome. That's a good one. Killer. Well, Nikki, um, thank you so much. Where can listeners learn more about you? Where, how, how should they keep track of, of your, your work and your life and your everything? They can go to my website, which is NikkiWeissAndCo.com. Or they can you can tell us to- who made your website? It's so awesome. Isn't it really cool? Yes, uh, it- Pixel Flux is the name of the company. Shay Magro is my web designer. She's amazing. Yeah, it's really clean and cool. And thank you. I get a, a really quick view of the types of things that you do. Well, thank you. And there's an Instagram too. It's Nikki Weiss and Co. And that's N I K K I W E I S S. Yeah. Thanks for having me, you guys. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah. If you have questions that you don't want to slide into Nikki's DMs on, you can always write, a, uh, write to us at uh, justshootapod at gmail.com. We can forward them along. Or if you have questions for us, we're available there as well. Uh, and you can talk to us across all social media at Just Shoot a Pod. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow. 
And I'm at O. Kaplan. This episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Our producer is Tyler Small. The music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Bye.